What a friend we have in Jesus. An audio recording of a medium post. If you were raised like me in an evangelical church, these words, what a friend we have in Jesus, bring with them the sound of an old organ churning out this familiar hymn. Or maybe you can hear the sound of that one church member who's swaying back and forth match the swaying voice in which they sang. Yet they sang out of their lived experience of holding tight to this Jesus, like a friend on whom you can rely, who will hold your sorrow, all of your sins and griefs, all of your burdens. Embedded in this Christian faith is a sneaky and shocking way that Jesus does become friend in addition to the more traditional language of Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior language fits more the language of conquering, of power, as we traditionally conceive it. But this language of friend, this is a reordering of power. This is a Jesus who is truly with us. Although I had been raised with this hymn, my first real understanding of the language of friend was in the context of an urban ministry class taught by Judith F. Bennett at Union Presbyterian Seminary. In the context of the class and the many trips to community centers and places of ministry to people in poverty in Richmond, we heard leader after leader talk about how this work was about joining with the people with whom they worked. There was much less of a top-down mentality that was about bringing people to Jesus. This work, this ministry, was about finding that Jesus was already there. One of the books that we read for the class was John McKnight's The Careless Society, Community and Its Counterfeits. Toward the end of the book, he references the scene that is the gospel reading for this Sunday, this sixth Sunday of Eastertide. There is this section where Jesus tells the disciples that he will no longer call them servants, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, he says, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. I have called you friends. What a friend we have in Jesus. And this text from John 15 comes after Jesus has washed the feet of his disciples. This itself a strange and wonderful act of service, a reordering, a giving of self, even of that divine self. In his book, McKnight proposes that sometimes our acts of service, our offering of help, is not actually help, that there are times when we move so quickly to intervene that we can destroy some of the natural supports that exist in the community. There is a way that this is an indictment of many of us, like myself, who work in the helping professions. Yet his argument is actually a bit more nuanced. Referencing this passage about Jesus calling the disciples friends is this radical reordering of authority that Jesus brings. 
He does not propose that we do not help others, but that the help is alongside and working with and listening to. The servant-master arrangement perpetuates a system of dominance. Jesus, the God-man, chooses instead a way of death and emptying of the self. Paul, too, writes how this seems so foolish and wrong, but this is the way of redemption. Today, on my drive to church, to work alongside some wonderful adolescents on a fundraiser taco lunch. I was reminded of this through a story on the radio. The section of radio that I stumbled into was about Reverend Jeffrey Brown, one of the people behind what was called the Boston Miracle, where clergy and other citizens simply began walking the streets of their neighborhood in the evenings, getting to know the gang members there, listening to them. As Reverend Brown notes, this action was much less about getting them into church than about going out into the community. Through listening to people that others thought were hardened and scary, there was the discovery of a common humanity through the sharing of conversation, of story, one might even say through the sharing of sins and griefs and sorrows. Through this work in Boston and that community, there was a dramatic drop in violent crime. It is hard to harbor such hate, to commit such violence against someone you know. Which brings me to where we all are, in our communities, in our country. I fear that we no longer talk to each other. We talk more about each other than to each other. We categorize each other based on belief or what we think that someone believes without talking to them, without really knowing them. And once we do that, we no longer listen. We are more concerned with winning the argument with a sort of power that is about conquering and dominating than the power of relationship, of friendship. I know that some of those conversations will be hard, yet I think that we need to enter into them. Even though I know that some may say that I am writing out of a sort of naivete, we need to be in that conversation. Those conversations need to be about talking and listening in our families in our churches, in our communities, and most certainly in these United States. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit, oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So may our prayer be one of listening to God and to each other, and especially the other.